0: I'm Jeff Sturtz and this is Wide Awake, a podcast offering biblical insight and encouragement. Pay attention, you might miss it. I enjoy watching a good magic act, don't you? Because when you're watching someone perform these tricks, you're watching them fool you even though you know it's coming. It's a remarkable craft. I find that watching sleight of hand is especially enjoyable. These masters have become so skilled at making you think that you see one thing when it's entirely another. One moment, the man or woman performing the trick is holding a coin or a card or something, and then the next, a bird flies out of their hands. Good magicians can even place an object in your hand, making you think that you're holding onto one thing, only to find out that when you open your palm, it's something entirely different. In a brief moment, and with a lot of practice, a skilled magician can exchange an object with a watching crowd never even noticing. This is not so different from the exchange that happens in the human heart and mind when it comes to truth. Romans chapter 1 in the New Testament spends several lines showing a clear and progressive rejection of God by humanity. But the way it's described is not so much an entire removal of God as the object of attention and worship, but instead it says that it is, quote, an exchange Almost like a sleight of hand. One of the ways of looking at this is to recognize that you and I are created with an innate pull or impulse to worship. And even as we looked at before in Acts 17, we have a pull to worship our creator, God. But when God is removed from that picture, we as created worshipers find something else to worship. Our attention is redirected towards something else that we give ourselves to. And that manifests itself in multiple forms. That's why Romans says the following, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and, here it is, exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because, here it is again, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature, or creation, rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. So, rather than worship the maker, they worshipped the things that are made, things that do not ultimately warrant worship. Now, it's certain that God wants us to find pleasure in the things that He has made. In the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament, the returned exiles are recounting all the good things that God has done for their nation, Israel, in spite of their own lack of faithfulness to Him. But in their prayer to God, they say that Israel, quote, ate and were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in your great goodness, speaking of God. It is a good thing when we find enjoyment in the things that God has made. Or, by extension, it's nice to enjoy things that we have made that God has given us the provision and the ability to make. I recently made a table and benches to go out on our back patio. I enjoy the DIY projects I can do, and especially enjoy doing some woodworking. While I made the table, of course, every bit of those materials came from something God made, and my abilities are the same. So, while myself and my family may enjoy using the table, we ultimately give God the thanks and the praise for his provision and ability to be able to enjoy and make these things. But, can we enjoy things too much? Well, that's sort of a tricky question, because in the end, it's less about the degree to which I enjoy something, but more about the direction to which my gratefulness is directed. It's probably better to ask, can I enjoy something in the wrong way, or inordinately? Can I place value on something that it was never meant to possess? I bring attention to all this, not only because this has been and always will be an issue for us as human beings, but because the way in which it takes form can be very tricky and subtle. In last week's episode, I mentioned a Netflix series that has quickly gained popularity and one in which I have even found some enjoyment and inspiration. Marie Kondo's tidying up has inspired millions of Americans and others around the world to better organize and clean up their living space. I'm not a natural neat freak, so any nudge or help that I can get to be better about staying organized comes with appreciation. But if you watch the show, you will notice something that is, well, a little different. In fact, it's not so subtly but overtly religious. As Miss Kondo first enters the home or apartment of an individual or family to begin her revolutionary cleanup method, she takes a moment to introduce herself to the house or to the apartment. In this introduction, Ms. Kondo kneels down on the floor, bows her head, closes her eyes, and silently attempts to communicate with the house or apartment. And not just for a brief moment, but long enough to surprise and intrigue the homeowners she's meeting with. Sometime after this, Ms. Kondo begins by having each family member take their entire wardrobe, grabbing every piece of clothing, and pile it all on a bed to begin the sorting and weeding out process. But here again, Ms. Kondo introduces another spiritual, religious-like experience. As the owners begin to select pieces of clothing, she instructs them to stop and determine whether that particular piece of clothing sparks joy when they hold it in their hands. And if it doesn't, and the clothing needs to be tossed or donated, she further instructs them to stop and thank the piece of clothing for what it has done for them. Now, as much as I've enjoyed the couple of episodes that we've watched of this show, I've had to recognize something watching each episode. That is, there is a clear circumventing or exchange of the creator for the created. Instead of thanking the Creator or some other higher power for the good things, like houses and clothing that they ultimately provide, Miss Kondo and her protégés are thanking the creation, the created things. No longer is God the object of worship, but we are, and our stuff is. This is known, dear friends, as idolatry, the worship of something rather than the great and almighty someone, namely Jehovah God. I'd like to take a little bit more time to explore this topic further in our next episode. You see, we may not think of America as an idolatrous nation compared to other nations who quite literally worship an idol or statue on a regular basis. But make no mistake, when we start thanking our houses and our clothes rather than God for well-being and pleasure, well, that's about as idolatrous as it comes. And that deserves some careful attention. Thanks for listening. If you don't know what it means to know God personally, please don't hesitate to reach out and we'd love to show you from the Bible how you can know God. You can email me at info at If you're not plugged into and regularly attending a local church in the Wiley area, I invite you to come out and visit us. You can find the times and location on our website, wileygospel.org. I look forward to sharing with you more encouragement from God's Word here on Wide Awake.